Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Um, So here we are, Acts chapter 3. We'll open up the Word now. Starting in verse 1, if you don't have a Bible, that's all right. It's going to be on the screen uh, to uh, to your left and to your right. It says this, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Come on, they like the late service. So, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put there every day to beg uh, from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped on his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to be sitting begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11. And while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? You ever like been praying for a miracle and then it happens and you were surprised? Perhaps we shouldn't be when we pray to Jesus, right? Um, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk again. I love this story right here. It shows us uh, just a brief moment right here after, again, after chapter two, when the Holy Spirit came and everyone is now filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It shows us this moment right in chapter three of two men who were used by God to do something significant in the kingdom, right? As they're, they're going along and they're building the church and they're ministering to people. And as pastor last Sunday began speaking about the church being mobilized, I'd just like to continue that thought tonight about us being mobilized, us being used by God. And so if you're like a blogger in here tonight or you like to follow blogging things, um, you're gonna love me because I'm gonna give you a list. I haven't like done a preaching list in a while, but isn't that like every other blog, like, you know, eight ways to stay in shape for 2018 or something, you know, like, um, and, and so I'm gonna give you tonight, I wanna give you eight types of people God uses. We're gonna pull it all right out of Acts chapter three. Eight types of people that God uses. I saw some people, they like turn to their spouse, they're like, eight, we're gonna be here forever. So um, it'll go fast, it'll go faster uh, than it sounds. Um, So let me ask you this question real quick uh, before we pray. Just by a show of hands, uh, would anyone in here like their life to be used by God? Um, just by, uh, just okay, so, so we're all like, yeah, totally, me. I would like my life to be used by God. You see, I believe this. Not everyone in life is looking to be famous. Not everyone cares about that. Not everyone cares about even being rich or, or being a celebrity. But I believe everyone in this life desires to be significant. You at least want to know that your life was significant. And by that, I just mean meaningful, substantial, influential. You see, significance has nothing to do with money has nothing to do with fame or how many people know your name. You could be a significant stay-at-home mom. You could be a significant office employee. You could be a significant business owner. You could be a significant individual just working a nine-to-five job Monday through Friday. You can still have significance in your life. It's not tied to fame or money or or fortune or, or any of that, right? You can be significant. And I believe that 
that everyone wants to be significant. You know, even yesterday, I was, I was officiating a funeral of a, of a family in our church at our Orange Park campus, and, and, the, and the, the father, the grandfather in the family, he had, he had passed away, and it just got me thinking, even yesterday, you know, I don't think any, any, any individual lays on their, their deathbed, so to speak, or perhaps at the hospital in their last days, wishing, you know what, I just wish I had a couple more zeros in the bank. No one's thinking about that. Or, man, I wish more people would have known who I... No, no one's thinking about that. But perhaps people are there saying, man, I wish I would have been more significant. I wish my life would have meant more, right? Perhaps they're having thoughts of significance and meaning, but none of that other stuff. You can't take it, any of that with you anyways, right? So significance, we wanna be significant. But I have a couple questions. It comes down to this. I was thinking, but who does God use? Talking about him using people, us being mobilized. Who does he use? And how does he choose who he uses? You ever thought about that? Or how can I ensure that God will use my life? We're gonna answer some of these questions. We're gonna look at Acts chapter three together. Why don't we bow our heads and pray before we jump in. So Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. We thank you that it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it pierces our hearts. It has the opportunity to do what no other book on our shelf at home can do. And so Lord, we lean into your word tonight. And as always, I just pray that that every single one of us would leave tonight inspired by the Holy Spirit to not just be hearers only, but be doers of your word. God, we love you and we acknowledge you with us tonight in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. So let me ask you a quick question. Um, do you ever feel like when you go to God in prayer that you pray the same thing all the time? <laughs> Someone's like, absolutely, I do, right? I, I, I feel like I do it a lot. You pray the same thing um, all the time. I think everyone does that a lot. It's not a right or wrong thing. It's just an interesting observation. I do it a lot. I, in fact, my, my wife Bethany can tell you, uh, when we tuck our son in at night, he's three years old. He was a product of passion almost four years ago. Um, but uh, when we tuck him in at night, uh, uh, we, we kind of pray the same thing all the time. You know, we touch all the same kind of basis and we kind of have this routine and he's already very OCD at a very young age. So unless we do the same routine, he ain't sleeping. And so like we just pray the same stuff all the time. But I think adults do that too. We pray the same thing all the time. And I was thinking about this. If we were able to pull the entire Christian world, right, that's a lot of people, somehow, some way, if we could pull everyone and we could figure out what are the most frequently prayed prayers, I'm willing to bet that the simple prayer of something along the lines of, dear God, use my life in some way, shape, or form is gonna rank in the top 10. It's probably gonna be in the top 10 easy. Some, some form of, dear God, use me, I wanna do something for the kingdom, like all that kind of stuff, right? Easily in the top 10. I remember praying prayers like that growing up all the time. I remember being at youth conferences and youth retreats and connect groups and weekend services and Bible college even. And I prayed it so many times, man, I, I couldn't even... Keep count these days. So many prayers of, dear Jesus, just use my life. I just want you to use me. I want, I want to be mobilized, right? I want to be mobilized. I think it's a noble prayer to pray. It's a righteous prayer to pray. But I feel that for many of us, it's still very ambiguous. It's still very unclear or vague. Like, like how can I know when God is using my life? Like, is he using it right now? Like, do I, do I even know? Like, is it like hindsight one day when I'm 50, 60, 70? Then I'll be like, oh, he was totally using me when I was 35. Like, how do I know when he's using my life? How can I ensure past praying that God can use my life, right? W will use my life. See, that's a big one too. But some of us, you just sit around when it comes to God using you or mobilizing you. Your question is simply, can he use me? 
Pastor Stovall, I hear you, man. You're talking about the church being mobilized. That sounds real pretty and beautiful. And I get it. It's scriptural. But man, you don't know where I'm coming from. You don't know what I've been through. I just don't think God can use my life. So who does God use? How does he choose who he uses? What types of people get to be mobilized? What types of people get to be used by God? And we're gonna look at Acts chapter three. And I, I pray tonight that you're encouraged, that it helps you answer this question and that you have a better understanding as you walk into this next week on how you can be the mobile church of Jesus Christ, a mobilized, faith-filled believer in Jesus who can help build the kingdom of God in the sphere of life that you live in. So let's begin uh, with this. Eight types of people God uses. Number one, God uses people who are doing the right things. In Acts chapter three, like I said, they're all coming from Acts chapter three. In verse one, it simply says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. They're just going up to the temple at the time of prayer. You see, I believe God looks for people who are taking the time to cultivate and build their life on the principles and precepts of God's word. God can use someone like that. I'm thankful that you're in here tonight because it shows that you take that seriously. That you're here tonight because you wanna build and cultivate your life on God's word. Boy, God can use people like that. People who are just doing the right things. People who are just, it doesn't, doesn't mean you're perfect. None of this speaks to perfection. It just speaks to, man, I just, I'm just trying. I'm just doing my best to live God surrendered, yielded to him, build as much as I know, as much revelation as he's given me. I just wanna start to implement that into my life. God can use people doing the right things. I'll say it like this. God cannot elevate what you won't cultivate. He can't, he can't do it. He can't elevate what you won't cultivate. You see, God using our lives, boy, it sure does have a lot to do with him, right? He's a big factor in this, but I believe that we can certainly take some steps, put some things into action that will only ever help us. Let me show you what I mean. In Psalm chapter one, it's very familiar. It says this, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they, you gotta be better than that. Whatever they do prospers. Whatever they, just leave it up, whatever they do prospers. Another version says, whatever he does shall prosper. Catch this, church. God cannot prosper what you won't do. But if, but if you build it into your life, he can bless it. If you build it, he'll bless it. If you cultivate it, he'll elevate it. But he can't work with what we're not willing to do. But God uses people who are putting themselves in the right place to build their life on God's word. So the question becomes, are you building a life that God can bless? Are you cultivating a life that God can elevate and use and mobilize? God uses people who are just doing the right things. Peter and John, man, they're just going to the temple. They're just, they're just trying to do, do the right stuff, man. I'm not talking about works-based stuff. I'm just talking about, boy, they just, they just knew this is beneficial to go and worship God and put God first. Right? God uses people like that. Number two, God uses people who are willing to be interrupted. Verse two and three. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the gate. He was put there every day to beg from those going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. That's an interruption. Excuse me, sir. I'm just going to try to worship God. You think you could give me a minute? Like, like. But God uses people who are willing to be interrupted. I believe the reason some people never feel like God is using their life is because they're simply not willing to be interrupted. 
But watch this church, when you raise your hand to join the mobilizing efforts of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, you will be interrupted at times and it will be inconvenient for your life in certain seasons. When you, when you, when you raise, I wanna be a part of that army, it's gonna be inconvenient at moments. I remember, I, I, I got tons of stories. I mean, Pastor Petey's down here. We, we did youth ministry like uh, for some years together. I remember doing youth ministry and being, it was before the riot days, but um, I remember doing youth ministry. And you know what is interesting about uh, students is they have no concept of time um, and, and so sometimes I'd be with them at like the Friday night football game, right? And I'm there, I'm talking with them. Hey, what's going on, man? How's, your, how's everything going right now? How's your parents? How's home? It's good, man, it's good. Like, you know, you never get more than a couple words out of students. Parents say amen. You know, they're, they're not very talkative or whatever, right? But then all of a sudden at midnight, boy, the texts come flowing in. Hey, man, you couldn't have told me this at eight o'clock when we were at the game? <laughs> kind of inconvenient right now. I'm trying to get some shut-eye, you know, like, like, but boy, when you raise your hand saying, God, use my life, you gotta be willing for some interruptions. There's gonna be interruptions. Are, are you a person that's willing to be interrupted as you do the work in the will of God, right? Inconvenience at times, inconvenience. You know, we are the most convenience-seeking society that has ever walked the face of the earth. Like, like, if it's not convenient enough for us, we just won't even do it. Like, like, think about this. I, I, I thought about this. This is how it plays out. This is a silly example, but this is true, and someone's gonna testify with me on this. Like, there have been moments when I really, 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 really wanted something specific to eat, but because they didn't have a drive-through, <laughs> uh, I, just, I just can't be bothered to get out of the car right now. I just, what, I'm just gonna go to Wendy's. I don't know. You know, like, but you really, really wanted it. That's what you wanted. But because it wasn't convenient enough, you settled for something else that you really didn't want. How many believers are settling for a life lived over here because they're not willing to go through just a little bit of inconvenience and interruption to get to the place that they know God really wants them and they really want to be there, but it's a little inconvenient at times. But God uses people who are willing to be Interrupted, right? God can use people like that. How many of us are saying no to what God wants to do in us and through us because it's not convenient? Number three, God uses people who pay attention to needs. Verse four, Peter looked straight at him, paid attention to the need, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. People who pay attention to needs. Can I be honest? Um, and, and open and vulnerable with you. Um, I'm not always the best at this. The Lord has really had to work with me. I've been in vocational ministry now. I think I'm going into my 12th year, um, but, but I've, I've struggled with this. I'm just a person, I guess, who's just like very focused and I got, I got a job to do and I'm just, I'm off, I'm, I'm doing it. And a lot of times I neglect what's happening on the way to do my job when there's actually ministry moments that are all right here, but I remember this one story back in 2010 when Bethany and I, we were living in, um, in the North Atlanta area, and, um, and I was driving to work. I took the same route to work every single day, and, and, and I started seeing this, this older man. He was probably 60 years old, and, and he was walking down this like long county road that I had to take to get to work, and some days I would see him going to work, and I would see him coming from work, going home, and he would always be there, and he had kind of like a mechanic's jumpsuit on, and he'd kind of be walking down the street, and he's, you know, he's got his thumb out. I didn't think anything of it. I'm not in the habit of picking up hitchhikers or anything like that. Now, I pass this dude all the time. I passed him all the time. 
right? And one day I'm driving home and wouldn't this be just like God? It's pouring down rain. I'm in my car. I'm at a long day at work. It's like I put in some serious hours. I'm just trying to get home. I'm already late for dinner. And I pass the dude and there he is on the side of the road and it's pouring down rain. As soon as I get past him in my car, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, how many more times are you gonna keep driving? And I played dumb. God, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Right? Like you don't do it too. So, right? How many more times? God, I got places to go. God, I got, I got things to do. I got a wife at home. I got to get home. Lord, you know my schedule. Come on. I'm just, how, many, how many more times are you going to keep driving by? Do you ever argue with God? Does anyone else win? Because I never do. Okay, so, all right. So I, I whipped the car around. Now I'm just frustrated at the Holy Spirit. So I whipped the car around. Come back in. I rolled down the window. It's pouring rain. Getting rain all in my car. I'm like, hey, hey, man. Hey, hey, would you, would you like a ride? Where are you, where are you headed? Okay, yeah, sure. And, and this man, six-year-old guy with his mechanics jump sheet, jumps in the car, right? I'm talking with him and, and his, his, his house was kind of a little past my exit or street, so to speak. And, um, and, and so I'm talking with him. I learned that his name's Rex. And that sure enough, he was about in his 60s and I asked him what he's doing, where he works. He told me he worked at the mechanic shop, but he's not like a real employee. He suffers from epileptic seizures, and so he's not allowed to, to be employed right now. He hasn't been employed for many, many years, and so he goes down to the mechanic shop, and, and for the last couple years, he's just been doing odds and ends, and they just kind of pay him however they pay him. I didn't get into the governmental legality of how he got his check, but, um, and so, but anyways, they're just kind of paying him on the side or whatever, and, and he tells me about all this, and I'm like, great. So I take him to his house, drop him off, don't think another thing of it, right? God bless you, Rex, man, you know, Hope you, hope you like the ride, okay? So, but the next day, man, I kept seeing Rex all the time. And once you pick him up once, you can't like not pick him up again. He like knows my car now. You can't like drive by him. He's like, hey, oh, not today? Okay, so like, I gotta pick him up. Like God suckered me into this one, right? So I'm like, all right. So now every time I see Rex, I pick Rex up, okay? So I'm picking up Rex and, you know, Rex and I, we, we got to know each other for a little while and I would pick him up and I'd take him a little bit to work or house, whichever way he was going. And, and, and finally, one day I'd take him to his house and it was just that day. It was just that day where he, he knew what I did for a living and we had had a few talks and, and so I was just like, today's the day, I just gotta, I gotta ask. I just gotta do it. I said, Rex, you know, man, you know, you know what I do for a living, man? You know, I work at the church down the road and, um, man, Rex, you know, I just, you know, I'd take you home, take you to work sometimes, but man, you know, man, Rex, how are you and God? You know, and I just, I just open the can, right? So we talk a little bit and finally we get around to, man, would you just like to, would you just like to pray and receive Jesus right now, man? You know, it's not that difficult and I just explain receiving Jesus and he's just like, yeah, you know, I think I, I think I would like to do that. And I'm like, awesome. So in my, you know, 2000 sob, I lead this 60 something year old man to, to Jesus right there. And can I tell you, when Rex walked into his house that day, I never saw Rex again, ever, right? I'm thinking to myself, like, that was an angel. <laughs> like, I don't know what it was, like, like, uh, but, but, I, but I never saw him again. But I, but I just shared that to say, it was a story that God helped me pay attention to needs. It was a, it was a way that God got a hold of my life and helped me 
pay attention to needs because God uses people who will just pay attention to needs. It's like the good Samaritan. It's like the Levite and the priest and they're on the way to do very religious priestly things. I don't have time for the beaten up guy on the side of the road, right? And that's how so many of us are. Boy, we're heading off in our direction of purpose and destiny. God, use my life, mobilize my life. There's a sick person, don't have time for that. There's someone who needs help, don't have time for that. There's the dream center. Well, someone else will probably help them. There's this, this, and this. And, and all of a sudden, we realize that that we're actually not being the mobilized church because we're stepping over bodies to get to what we feel like is our purpose. But I think what Jesus would say is he says, no, I've put those scenarios and people and situation in your path for a reason. You want God to use your life, I would encourage you, wake up tomorrow morning, maybe just pay a little bit more attention to who's in your path on a Thursday. Maybe just pay a little bit more attention to your barista at your local Starbucks that you see all the time, but maybe tomorrow's the day that you just kind of start that initial conversation. God uses people who are willing to see the needs because the truth is, church, is that we're having awesome services right now and everything's real stirred up and, and Holy Spirit on Sundays and Wednesdays and it's great. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but if what's happening inside these four walls is not changing the streets that we all took to get here, then we're missing the plot. Number four, God uses people who inspire hope in others. People who inspire hope in others. Verse four and five, Peter looked straight at the man as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Watch this. The man looked at Peter and John and the Bible says he expected. All he did was look. They didn't have their handouts with anything. All he did was look and there was an expectation that he was going to receive something that was better than his current thing. There must have been something about the posture, the tone, the faith, the walk, the look of Peter and John that would have led this man to believe that he's gonna get something from them. There must have been something about the spirit of Peter and John that all the man had to do was look and say, these guys can help. There's an expectation. The question is, are you an individual that inspires hope in others? Are you that type of person like when you get around people do you do you inspire do you do you lift courage in people do you bring hope into people's lives when they get around you have you ever met someone like that there's some guys on our staff I see pastor John Wyatt down here every time I leave pastor John Wyatt's office I just feel better about myself I don't know what it is I just feel like I can conquer the world he just has a gift like he ha he has an exhortation encouragement gift I love it. Like Pastor Petey is, is like that as well. Every time I get around them, there's just a joy. I just feel better. It doesn't mean they said anything super revelatory or whatever. It's just, I just feel, it's just a gift. It's just a spirit that's there. How do, how do people feel when they leave conversations with you? Are they inspired? Are they motivated? Is their faith encouraged? Or are you like always the downer that's just bringing the group down? You know what I mean? Like, boy, the weather sure is beautiful today. Yeah, but it's probably gonna storm tomorrow, so, you know. Like, like is that you? Yeah. Man, isn't it awesome, man, that the company started this new initiative? This is gonna be a great, great thing. Yeah, but it's gonna be more work for the rest of us, so. Like, don't be that person. No one wants to hang out with that person. No one wants to do life with that person, but yet God can use someone who inspires hope in other people. You know, someone told me one time that if you will just be a lifter and encourager of people, then you will never want for an audience. 
You know why crowds would walk for miles and miles when Jesus is just teaching on some hill in the countryside is because there was something about his voice. There was something about his spirit that just inspired people, that encouraged people, that lifted people. They just felt better leaving than even when they came. That's why people gathered around him. That's why he never had to worry about a crowd. There was always a crowd because he carried that spirit with him. God can use us when we have a spirit that inspires hope in other people. Number five, God uses people who will just use what they have. People who just use what they have. Verse six, it, Peter says, I don't have any silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So often, when we consider our future and our destiny and God using our life, so often we only take into account what we don't have. God, I don't know how that's gonna happen. It sounds like a great plan, but God, I don't, have, I don't have money. I don't have resource. I don't have any time. Lord, you see my schedule. I don't have any time. I don't have, don't have, don't have, don't. We only consider what we do not have. But could we just shift our thinking perhaps tonight to start to take into account and, and let's, let's take stock and look again at what we do have. God can use somebody. God can mobilize a person who gets a revelation of what they do have. What do you have, Right? I'll say it like this, use what you have and not what you're wishing for. Use what you have, not what you're wishing for. I thought about David. David didn't have armor, he didn't have a sword, but what did he have? Boy, he had a sling and some rocks. God said, I'll use that, that's fine, I'll use it. God even had this moment where he got into an argument with Moses. God's like, you're my man. Moses is like, I ain't your man. <laughs> you, I don't know, I ain't, it ain't me. Who, who are you talking, is there another Moses around here? I ain't the guy. No, you're, you're my guy, I'm not the guy. You're the guy, I'm not the guy. They go back and forth, back and forth. Finally, God says, what's in your hand? A staff? God says, fine, I'll use that. Get a revelation of what's in your hand. So many of us only consider what we don't have. I wanna say this, I want this to make it into someone's notes tonight because I believe this is prophetic for someone. Stop talking yourself out of all the things that God is calling you into. Some of you, you you've talked yourself out of stepping out into that new thing. You know it was God's voice. This is for someone, I don't know, it might be Julington Creek or Orange Park. When I was hitting this in my notes, I knew it was for someone. You've talked yourself out. You knew it was the voice of God. You knew you should have been obedient, but because you only took into account what you did not have, you stayed back. But God's saying, if, if I needed everyone to have everything, I wouldn't be able to use anybody, right? What do you have? What do you have, right? I heard this said one time that, you know, your talent, what you're good at, that's what, that's what you do have. As we all examine our life, man, you're, you're good at stuff. You have talents, gifts, abilities. There's something that's unique about you that you're pretty good at, right? Your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with that is your gift back to God, okay? Get a revelation of how I can start to use what I do have. Number six, God uses people who realize their source of giving is him. People who realize their source of giving is God. Verse six, again, he said, I don't have silver or gold, but I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. That's where it was coming from. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. God's just looking to mobilize and use people who understand that every good and perfect thing they have comes from him. All comes from him. That we are owners of nothing and stewards of all that we have. 
The, the only way I can give anything good to anybody is because it came from God first. Like, like he's the source. He is the source of all of it. So, so you want to give someone some money. You want to be the mobilized believer that God's word is calling us to be. You want to be mobilized. You want to be used by him. So maybe you're like, man, I see someone in need. I'm going to give someone some money. Listen, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy that he's the one that gives us the ability to gain wealth in the first place. So had it not been for him and his resources, you wouldn't have money to give. So I'm gonna give, okay, well, I'm gonna give my time. I'm gonna sow my time. I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna serve people with my time. If it wasn't for him putting breath in your body and lungs right now, you wouldn't be able to give any time anyways. You see, it all comes from him. Okay, well, I'm, I'm gonna give the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, had it not been for the Father sending the Son who died on the cross and rose again from the dead, you couldn't even give the good news to anyone. Everything that you have the ability to give came from God. He's the source of it all, and he's just simply looking to use people who will recognize it's all his in the first place. Peter and John just sitting there saying, man, I don't have silver or gold, and frankly, I can't conjure up anything that will help you. But in the name of Jesus, who is a great and awesome resource, rise and walk. God just uses people who realize that he's the source. God can mobilize you a lot throughout your weeks and days. If you just keep an attitude that realizes, God, it's all yours in the first place. And I'm just super honored that you would let me steward whatever you give me to work with, right? Number seven, we're almost done. God uses people who are willing to try and God will do the rest. Verse seven, it says this. Peter said, rise and, and, and walk, right? And then it says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. You, you know what that really was? Peter's kind of just sitting here. He's like, hey, in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, Nazareth, just rise and walk. Well, well now we gotta try it, you know, like, now we gotta try, let's, hey bud, let's see if it worked. You know what I mean? Give me your hand, you know? Like, and and, and he, people who are willing to give it a try and God will do the rest. Are you willing to try? I'm convinced that God doesn't need the most talented, he just needs the most willing. Who's the most willing? Someone who's willing to give it a try. Your capacity will never increase in your comfort zone. It's never gonna increase there. You gotta branch out, you gotta break out. Your capacity, I'll say it again, I'll say it again. Your capacity will never increase in your comfort zone. As the band gets ready to join me, I wanna share this, this story with you. I think it perhaps illustrates this. I might even even share this in another message a while ago, I don't know. But um, you know, I, I think in life everyone has uh, their lane. It's kind of like who you are, what you do, um, things that kind of you, you fit well into, um, kind of sums you up. Um, and your hobbies, your likes, you know, all that kind of stuff. In my clay-bared lane, there's not a lot of outdoors type stuff. It's not really my lane, right? I'm not an outdoorsy kind of guy. I've only ever grown up on like the beach in the southeast, and so I'm not, I'm not a hunter, I'm not a fisherman. When I first came to Celebration Church, there were several times when Pastor Stovall would extend invites for me to go on hunting trips with him and fishing trips, and I declined every last one of them. I'm just like, it's just not, I mean, he doesn't even ask anymore. He's, he's just gotten the hint. That's not Clay's lane. It's not my lane. I'm not an outdoorsy. I don't go camping. I'm not a campsite kind of guy. I'm like a Ritz Carlton kind of guy. And so, like, you know what I mean? And so that's just kind of my lane. And so it's my lane. I know who I am. I'm comfortable with it. Get off my back. So it's my lane. So one time, a, a long time ago, I think it was back in high school or whatever, um, 
I had some friends come up and they're like, hey man, we're gonna, we're gonna go up to Tennessee, we're gonna go into the mountains or West Virginia or wherever it was, and man, we're gonna go skiing. Like I said, I grew up on the beach. I've never been around snow that much. I don't know how to drive in snow. It's completely foreign to me. I, but I wakeboarded a little, surfed a little, so I'm like, how hard can it be? All right, you know, whatever. But I'm like, we're not like camping. Or it's not like a tent. Like there's like a cabin, right? Is there cable? Is there sports center? Okay, like these are the questions I need answered. And so, um, so anyways, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna go to a cabin. I'm like, okay, it sounds okay. Um, so I go, we get up there and we're gonna go skiing. And so here I am, I'm new to the slopes. I don't know anything about it, you know what I mean? Anyone else like me, like you just didn't grow up around snow? That just wasn't, who did grow up around snow? Like the, my goodness, welcome to Florida. So, all right, right, it wasn't me. So here I am, day one, I got my skis on, ready to do this thing, I'm all bundled up, I got everything you need, I look the part. And if I'm gonna do something that's outside of my comfort zone, I'm always gonna at least look the part. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fool you, and you're gonna think I'm awesome, but I'm not. And so, um, so here I am, I'm going, and, and at first I'm just on the bunny slopes, you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just trying to get a feel for this skiing thing. And, and after a few runs on the bunny slopes, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm like, man, I got this, this is pretty great. And I got separated from my friends though. They were better skiers than me. So I'm like, okay, maybe they're at the top of the mountain. I'm gonna go to the top. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see them back over the top of the slope or whatever. So I get on a ski lift. Here I am by myself on a ski lift and I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden I realize I've been on this ski lift for a very awkward amount of time. It feels longer than any of the previous ski lifts that I, were, that I was on. And, and the ground is now getting further and further away from me. And so here I am and, 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 I, and I come up over the top and, and, and all I see is now black diamond in my face and I'm at the top. And when I tell you there's not a soul on top of this, like, like wherever I am, you know, I don't see anybody. I'm like looking for a red phone. Like, can I call someone? Can they airlift me out of here? I'm clearly in the wrong place. Right? I'm looking for anything. I don't see anything. Um, so, so I, go, I go over to the edge. Now, here I am at the edge. Just me and my skis and the Lord. There's no one else. I look down this mountain and I'm thinking to myself, Clay, today is not a day to be a hero. You're gonna take these skis off and you're gonna walk yourself down this hill because you do not wanna die today. So, um, and so I, sure enough, I take my skis off and here I go, I'm marching down a black diamond hill with my skis in my hand, right? Hit a patch of ice and I'm, and I'm gone, I'm off and I'm, I'm gone. But my skis are flying everywhere. My hat, my scarf, my jacket. By the time I got to the bottom, it looked like a yard sale happened on the side of the hill. It's horrible, it's, ho it's horrible. I get to the bottom of the hill. There's no one hardly there either. I look back up at that mountain. I'm sweaty, I'm beaten up, I'm bruised, I'm tired, I'm weary. I look back up at that thing and I just think to myself, well, that was, that was tough. I'm a little beaten up, but but at least I did it though, right? At least I, least I did it though. I was up there, but now I'm right here. At least I did it. At least I, right? Listen to me, church. We have got to be the generation that begins to look at things that seem impossible, like being mobilized and taking a city for Jesus Christ and saying, you know what? 
no one else might know how to do it, but I know that Jesus knows how to do it. I might get a little beaten up. I might get a little bruised. I might get a little weary, but at least I did it though. At least I stepped off the edge. At least I let God use my life. At least I said, yes, I will participate in the saving efforts that Jesus is calling me to. At least I did it. At least I did it. Look at your neighbor say, at least I'm going to do it. Boy, God can use people who are just willing to give it a try. Just give it a try and he'll do the rest. You just need to have a, at least I did it though kind of spirit. At least I did it though. I'm going to go into work tomorrow. I'm going to be bold about my faith. I might get rejected eight or nine times, but at least I did it though. I'm gonna step out, I'm gonna be bold. I'm gonna have conversations with people about the things of God and about Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be mobilized. I'm gonna start to look for efforts and ways to serve and, and maybe they all don't work out and, and maybe I get a little beaten up and persecuted along the way, but at least I did it though. At least I did it. You know why I love our pastors so much? This goes the same for Pastor Chris Brooks. And those original families who came from the Louisiana area and planted celebration in Jacksonville, Florida. Anyone who's ever planted a church or been in a situation like that knows that you'll have naysayers come out from everywhere. But at least they did it though. You and I are reaping the benefits and the rewards and the atmosphere because a few couples almost 20 years ago had the boldness and the courage to at least step off the edge and see what God might do. Why don't we just stand to our feet? See, a lot of times, I'll, I'll, I'll pray with this. A lot of times in life we say, God, I would if I could. I, I, God, I would. I would, I would, say, God, I would step off. If I could, I would if I could. But faith says you could if you would. You, you, you could if you would. And so perhaps we just need to take inventory of where we're all at as our pastor, not just our pastor, but as the word of God calls us to be mobilized and to be used by him. He has things for you to do. He has things for us to do in the city that he's placed us in. And begin to begin to see needs like we've never seen them before, begin to step out, begin to be bold, begin to step off the edge. And Man, I might get shut down in whatever the scenario, I might get shut down 99 times, but all I need is the one, all I need is the one time God's gonna meet me there. What I've learned is God is often proven in the untried and the unknown. He's proven in those moments, the untried and the unknown, and then God shows up. God uses people who are willing to give it a try. And the last one is this, we're gonna pray. God just uses people who give glory to him. Give glory to him. The people were astonished in Acts chapter three. Oh my gosh, we can't believe this man's actually healed. This is crazy, this is wild. And, and then Peter looks at him, he's like, why are you surprised? As if I did this, as if me and John, this wasn't me and John, this was Jesus. And then he goes in to preach to him about this man named Jesus that we, we crucified and he was the son of God, right? It, it, it was Jesus. God's just looking for people to use who's just gonna give.
give him all the glory. Why, why does he do significant things through us? Why does he do powerful, miraculous things through us? He does all of that so that more people in our spheres of influence will just get a bigger glimpse of him. Boys, you just keep living life constantly. Just, I, I'm deflecting that back to Jesus. I, I know, I appreciate you saying that. I'm just gonna deflect it back to Jesus. He's the one, it all came from him. To him be the glory and honor and majesty forever and ever and ever. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Come on, tonight, I'm sure pastor's gonna come back with a series of messages more about us being mobilized and us being put to work and all of this. But boy, tonight, man, you know God's speaking to you. You're just saying, pastor, just pray for me. I wanna be used. I wanna be used like I've never been used before. Just be bold enough to lift your hand right now. All over the, all over the room, awesome. I wanna, I wanna be mobilized. I wanna see needs. I wanna help people. I wanna step out. I wanna be used. I wanna, I'm willing to be interrupted. I'm willing to walk in some inconvenience at times. Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're gonna worship in just a second. But Father, I just pray for every hand lifted right now. God, I pray that, Lord, just as you empowered the early church and these disciples and apostles, Lord, you gave them your spirit such, such generous, gracious portions of your spirit, God, that they were able to walk in boldness. Lord, I pray a boldness over every hand lifted, that we would not shy in fear and timidity and worry, that we would not be anxious about these things, but we would receive the peace and the assurance and the boldness that comes from God. Lord, tomorrow morning, when we're off to work or school or wherever we're headed and the person is put in our path, God, I pray that we would no longer turn a blind eye to that, but God, you would open Open our spiritual eyes so wide to see the need and to be a part of healing the needs in our city and meeting people right where they're at, God, that we would not make excuses, but we would step out in Jesus' name. Lord, when interruptions come our way, that we would not cast them aside, but we would recognize this is a moment for Jesus to encounter this individual's life. Lord, we love you. We're happy that you even let us be a part of this. You could have done it all on your own in an instant, but Lord, you let us serve in this capacity. God, we love you. We worship you and we pray it in Jesus name. And right now, come on, why don't we just lift our hands? Why don't we just lift our voice? Why don't we just thank God as we begin to praise? Come on, let's sing right now. Come on. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.